for the Indians. One run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. You can't say goddamn on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. From the Gateway Lounge in Sioux Falls, it's Nobody's Listening Anyway. Here are your hosts, John Gaskins and Matt Zimmer. Okay, I'm going to take the recommendation of one of our most loyal listeners to this podcast, which is now 21 episodes in, and we're going to get right to the sports. We're not going to fuck around, except for Matt, like it's about 100 degrees warmer today than it was last week. I'm actually going to start with the weather again. And I stepped out on the deck one time. I worked at home. Well, I didn't, I, I work would be a loose thing to say. I worked some of the day, uh, but I never, I never went on the little jog. I didn't, I didn't enjoy it. Uh, what about you? Today? Yeah, today it was like 45, 46 degrees, man. I actually spent most of the day today uh, at the Sioux Falls landfill um, because I had a lot of shit I needed to get out of my house. Clearly. And I had been uh, gradually over the course of the last couple of weeks putting moving all that stuff into our garage so it would be easy to throw in a truck and take to the dump. And then that freezing cold weather set in i was like i'm not going to the dump when it's 17 below yeah so i've been collecting crap in my garage waiting for a warm day and today was that day so spent my day at the dump well it was a nice day to be at the dump (laughs) well what a beautiful day to do it yeah congratulations that must have you showered before this podcast i have not Well, I'm glad we're doing it not in person then. Uh, it works out I mean, quite- it's not like you – have you ever been to the dump, John? It's not like you roll around in shit. You just throw away your stuff. Yeah, I, I understand that, yes. <laughs> Can't remember last time I went to the dump. I've, I've lived in lots of dumps, but uh, I haven't uh, – Mostly just handling remember. old yeah. furniture that nobody sure. wants and broken appliances and yeah. There you go. Sorry, Coyote Eric. We're doing small talk here to start things off. Uh, we, uh, we don't uh, – we got we so much to – to talk about today uh i mean there's so much going on a lot of it that you're covering right now i mean you're we're just kind of knee deep in what is already one of the busiest times of the year and then you throw in football i mean at least we're getting some kind of like fall football weather for football games that are going on indoors anyway um and uh by the way just before we flipped on the mic i saw that mc hammer was trending and i was like oh no not mc hammer come on man and no, he was saying something about science. I guess MC Hammer isn't a big believer in science, which is, uh, how would you react to that? There's probably, you can't touch this joke in there somewhere, but. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> uh, MC Hammer tweets, you bore us. If science is a commitment to truth, shall we cite all the historical non-truths perpetuated by scientists? Of course not. It's not science plus philosophy. Elevate your thinking and consciousness when you measure, include the measurer. Ooh. I'm bored already. Can we talk about sports? <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, the Jacks win a top five game to start the season. Uh, I know it was weird. You called it awesome. I, I think anybody who watched the game thought it was awesome. Uh, those who cover college football intimately are obviously kind of had their eyes on it because it's the only level of football going on right now. So I, I got a text from a, an old friend I used to work with in Lincoln Television back when I was in high school named Dari Noka, and he's now on ESPN Radio, and he's the head guy on the SEC network. And he, and he, uh, he wanted to, uh, I don't know if he wanted to, oh, he wanted to make, make sure he could pronounce Stiegelmeyer correctly, so I told him, I think, the correct answer. But that's how big of a deal this game was. And uh, 
Friday night, 24-20, down to the wire. Uh, what, did, what did you think of the game? And how, how close to good quality football did it look? Um, I honestly didn't feel like it was an awesome advertisement for FCS and Valley football. Just mm. in that, I think both teams can play a lot better than that. But it's the first game of this weird season. And, you know, probably the talk about how there were 116 practices or whatever for them to get ready for the game. It was still their first game in over a year and a half. And I thought there was a lot of sloppiness. Uh, I'm not trying to be critical of either team, really. I just, I just think I just know that both teams can play better than that. Having said that, it, at least it was a competitive game. You know, it was a, a a fairly entertaining game. You know, the Jacks dominated the first half, probably should have ended up winning that game going away, but made just enough mistakes or failed to capitalize just enough to let you and I hang around. They came back. The freshman quarterback has to rally him, you know, take him down the field for a game-winning drive. And even then there's some, you know, drama in the final minute, goal line stand, all that kind of stuff. So overall, I thought it was a really entertaining game. And I think aside from me personally feeling like those teams are better than they showed, um, you know, I, I thought it was kind of, didn't it feel like a normal game? You know, did it, it, I never felt like, Jesus is so weird. It's February. It's February. It it felt like September, you know, other than obviously looking outside and seeing the weather, like it, it seemed like, like college football, you know, it's, and I think that's encouraging. It doesn't mean obviously there aren't going to be more cancellations or, or delays and there's already been some, um, but it kind of gives you a little bit of hope that, you know, maybe, maybe we're going to do this. Maybe this is going to happen and, and go off. I don't want to say again without a hitch, but, but go on successfully and get us into the playoffs and have this spring season. And, you know, I'm, I was pretty much all in anyway, but now I'm, I'm like really all, all in. Like this is, this is feeling like the college football, SDSU, Missouri Valley, FCS football that we've been used to for the last few years. And uh, that's a good thing because I missed it. I'm glad it's back, and I'm looking forward to the next seven games. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of was thinking in the weeks leading up to it, like, this is kind of lame. I'm not in football mode, you know, and then just write, write it off, you know, just like the Augie and USF are doing in, Div- in Division Two. And then I thought, and then, yeah, once the moment hits, I, I turned on the pregame show, listened to Tyler Merriam and John Stiegelmeyer, and uh, John, I guess, had kept the, the quarterback choice under his, under his vest, correct me if I'm wrong, all week and uh, kind of announced it before the game. And he did. And I'm like, okay, this is going to be quite interesting. And uh, it was. Now, I, didn't, uh, I wasn't willing to pay the $6.00 for the ESPN Plus subscription, so I didn't watch it. I actually just listened to uh, the radio, and I'm gonna and I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I had had a uh, busy week, and I was about to go to well, busy week in relative terms for me. I was gonna go to uh, Marshall, Minnesota, the next day to call a couple USF basketball games. Had to wake up early in the morning. Had a couple glasses of wine. Watched the SDSU uh, b- basketball game for a while. Or anyway, I fell asleep is what I'm trying to say. I fell asleep and it's not the fault of Tyler Merriam or the Jacks or anybody, but I was awakened by the Zach Hines touchdown pass. I was kind of like half asleep and all of a sudden, bang, you know, Tyler's going crazy on the Zach Hines touchdown catch. And, uh, and then, and then Zach Hines didn't score touchdown. Oh, he didn't. Okay. The big Zach Hines play. Yes, that set up the game winning. The big wide open, yes, to the three yard line. I, I just gotcha. remember, I just remember Zach Hines. Yeah, and uh, by the way, he was kind of like him and the Yankee uh, brothers. You know, they were kind of the three most, uh, I guess, veteran receivers. 
coming in. You were talking about this last week. They're a little weak at having a, a high volume of pass catchers beyond guys who are either tight end or tight end size. Did that come to fruition, or does it look like they might have enough in the passing game after one Well, game? Zach Hines did exactly what I expected. I mean, I kind of if he's healthy, he's going to be their number one receiver this year. That wasn't a surprise. Um, the wide receivers didn't make a huge contribution. Yankee had a touchdown, but he had 29 receiving yards. Uh, most of the pass attempts throughout the game were to the, they got Pierre Strong involved a ton on on swing passes and that kind of thing, which not a, not a huge surprise necessarily, but I don't think anyone's really fired up about that. You know, it, it makes sense, young quarterback, rookie quarterback making his first start. You know, they want to give him some easy completions to make, uh, but I don't think the Jacks are going to be serious, terribly explosive throwing these swing passes to Pierre Strong. I mean, I think he had 30 yards on six catches. Um, they, they really struggled to throw the ball down the field. Uh, the wide receivers at, at, at times weren't open. Uh, at other times, Gronowski missed them. Uh, he, he played pretty well for a freshman. I'm sure we'll get to that. But, you know, he also missed a lot of throws too. Um, mm. I think those question marks remain. I think for the most part, Gronowski uh, passed every test you could reasonably expect him to in his first game as a, you know, a teenager essentially playing Division One football. Um, but he, he, you know, like I said, missed some throws. And also, I, you know, Yankee had a touchdown. He had four catches. But the receivers, by and large, were fairly absent from the game plan. And, again, maybe that's partially uh, – or I, sh- I should say that isn't a surprise. I mean, I thought going into the season that Zach Hines, the tight ends, were probably going to be the primary targets. They're thin at wide receiver. It just it kind of played out that way, I guess, is how, how I would characterize it. Well, minus eight yards of total offense in the second half uh, when they started that game-winning drive at the 25-yard line with six minutes to play. So, uh, But, again, it's been a long time since the Jacks had played football. The last time they had played football, they really struggled to score against Northern Iowa in the in the playoffs in 2019, or just into the new, yeah, 2019. Uh, by the way, did the Panthers have a lot of guys back? I mean, they were picked second ahead of the Jacks, who were picked third, all behind, of course, North Dakota State in the Valley. Uh, the, the, it's tough to gauge. First game, haven't played in over a year. Yeah. But it's do the Panthers win. look good? I mean, yeah. yeah they should be a good team. I mean, I don't know if I think they're better than SDSU or if I would have picked them ahead of the Jacks. And in fact, I didn't. I, I went... Uh, NDSU, SDSU at 1-2. Um, Panthers have Will McElveen, the preseason quarterback of the conference. Yeah. And uh, the Jacks made him look very pedestrian. Um, to be fair to you and I, their offensive coordinator had left like that day. Because uh, he, yeah, he took a job with the Packers. That's one, That's <laughs> wow. but that's one of the things with the spring season. You know, that would never happen in a fall season. But the NFL is still on their, their schedule, their timetable. This is when coaches are getting hired. So, Packers offered him a job. He was like, sorry, guys, I'm out. So they didn't have their offensive coordinator. Someone else had to call the plays. Uh, Isaiah Weston is by far their top offensive weapon. The wide receiver averaged well over 20 yards a catch in 2019. 1,000-yard guy. Essentially, they're Cade Johnson. Uh, he got hurt early, or, or I think that's – he left the game early to, and did not return. Um, so that certainly helped SDSU. Panthers' defense was pre- is, a, is supposed to be the strength of their team, and they, they played pretty well at, at times. Uh, but, you know, Gronowski put 240 yards on him in the first half. And if the Jacks don't stall on that goal line stand, it's 24-7 at halftime. And the game's probably over at that point. Like Now, again, you and I stiffened in the second half and, and allowed their offense to come back. Um, but still, I, I think, you know, for SDSU to do what they did on the road against a team like that with a freshman quarterback making his first start with, you know, like I said, no Cade Johnson, your first game of trying to figure out how to play without Cade Johnson – uh, and they had some injuries on defense too, some guys missing. Uh, that's just, you know, 
you could say that, oh, they should have blown them out and, you know, they they just hung on by the skin of their teeth or any of those things. That was a good win. Yeah. Any way you look at it, on the road against a team that good. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it wasn't the Mona Lisa, but uh, I, as I call a lot more games than I used to, you just want a good game. I mean, you just want you want a close game, I should say. You want a competitive game. You want something that goes down to the wire. When I'm trying to decide what games I'm going to do on the high school slate, I just want a compelling game. And uh, at least for, I think when we're those of us who cover it or call it, I'm sure that the people who play it and coach it, um, and probably most of the fans in the stands. Again, this is this is just kind of like any sport at any time. Um, it, it in the moment it could be poorly played or kind of boring, especially if there's not a lot of scoring. There's just enough in this one. But, man, if it goes down to the wire, it all kind of feels better in the moment than it should, and that's really all you can ask for. Um, did Gronowski earn? Uh, did, did, it, did he appear to earn the job for, you know, another week securely? Yeah, definitely. Um, but I don't think that that was something that he had to do necessarily. Uh, despite, And I know you didn't watch the game on TV, but for those that did, uh, the announcers kept saying, like, well, he's only playing because Jabari Gibbs and Keaton Heidi are hurt. Right. They, they're referring to him as the third-string quarterback. Neither of those things are true. Um, and if they'd have taken two seconds to look at the sideline, they would have seen Jabari Gibbs and Keaton Heidi fully dressed in their pads, sending in signals to the supposed third-string quarterback. So, <laughs> um, yeah. You know, they, this wasn't a week-to-week thing. You know, this wasn't an experiment. The Jacks didn't say, okay, Mark, you're the starter this week, but let's see how it goes. I mean, he is their starting quarterback. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, he gets to keep it forever and that he'll never potentially be benched or anything like that because they have two capable guys behind him that have already, you know, been the starting quarterback before, and and both those guys had some success. Uh, It was very interesting to me in watching the game. You know, he has this excellent first half, not perfect, but very good, and you're kind of thinking, geez, this couldn't really go a lot better. Uh, and then in the second half, it couldn't have gone a lot worse for the first, you know, quarter and a half. And at that point, you're kind of thinking, okay, now John Stiglmeyer, Jason Eck, Zach Lujan, they've got a predicament on their hands now because it's like this is a game you have to win. Uh, you're in position to win the game. You can't let this one get away from you. And all of a sudden, the offense cannot move the ball with the freshman quarterback. And you've got Jabore Gibbs, you've got Keaton Heidi on the bench there. There were people showing up in, up in my Twitter timeline saying, like, why are they sticking with him? You have Gibbs on the bench. You have to go to him. You have, This is a must-win game. You can't worry about your freshman quarterback's feelings or any of those things. You've got to make the move now. I didn't agree with that at all, but I you know, can see where they're coming from. And if things had you know, prog- progressed in the way they were, maybe you – know, I don't know at this moment if or how much Stig or Eck or whoever were tempted to make that move. But then he leads him on the game-winning drive at the end, you know, hits Zach Hines on the double move, mm-hmm. sets up the touchdown. And, uh, and and even the touchdown pass itself, it's not like it was a difficult throw, um, but they had to sell a play fake on there and use some motion and do some things pre-snap. Uh, that was a mature veteran play for him to execute that play for the game-winning touchdown. He walks away from it, you know, not only the winner in his starting debut, but, you know, leading him on a fourth-quarter comeback. I mean, that's that's some that's some pretty hot shit for a true freshman quarterback. And, uh, you know, the other thing that, I, you know, I've heard John Stiegelmeyer mention this, uh, but I've had several players already tell me this, you know, kind of, I wouldn't say off the record, but just sort of like after the interview is over or, or in just passing conversations, like many, many players have said part of the reason that Gronowski got this job or why the guy, like, they are really impressed by his poise. They hmm. like him. 
he's a he, he, I, I've, I've not really met him you know I've had a couple interactions with him mostly via zoom um, but he certainly comes across as a really energetic uh, friendly excitable guy who's really into this who's having fun mm. and it seems it seems like he's really rubbing off on his teammates even you know I've talked to senior offensive linemen the, the, you know the last guy you would think who would, who would be in a hurry to warm up to an 18 or 19 year old quarterback and they're like I love this guy um, mm. so I think that goes a long way towards him winning this job but also yeah they're they're committed to him it doesn't mean again that Jabore Gibbs or Keaton Heidi are never going to play again it doesn't mean Gronowski's got the job forever you know for the next four years um, but it's his for the time being for the considerable future and what he did in his debut only strengthens his hold on that, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's great to have the poise and whatever factor to have your teammates buy in. That's real. I think that's a big reason why Brady goes right into the Bucks and and they win. But you have to make the big plays. And uh, he did. That's why they matter a little bit more down the stretch. That's why that's why I'm not totally sold on on Kirk Cousins any any longer with the Vikings. Partly because that just doesn't that kind of thing just doesn't happen very often in the big moments and the big drives uh, in the fourth quarter. And uh, yeah, that's that's the biggest deal that earn that earns you at least another week. And now they go to North Dakota. Um, I want to wrap on Jack's football because we have so much to get to. But um, this was the first time without. Christian Roseboom and Ryan Arath on that uh, uh, defensive front forever, uh, the front seven. So how did how did they look? Really good, and uh, I wasn't surprised by that. Uh, Ryan Arath is, was a very good player, but they are just so loaded on that defensive line. They had a lot of young guys last year who were just starting to crack the rotation who are now a year older and better. Um, they didn't even have Xavier Ward, who's arguably their best interior tackle. And then they lost their probably their second best interior tackle, Crockett Kralikowski, early in the game. And they did not miss a beat. They're just so deep there. We're talking like eight, nine guys. At least it would be eight or nine with those two in there. It's still, you know, five, six, seven deep, depending on. And, uh, I, 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 you know, I could go down the list. They just keep rolling in fresh guys. And they were really good. You and I didn't run the ball at all. Uh, the Jacks only had two sacks, but McElveen's a really good scrambler, and he was running for his life the whole game. I thought the defensive line, you know, I, I wrote going into the season, probably the strength of their team, uh, and they absolutely were that in the first game. Linebacker's a little bit more of a question mark because obviously you talk about Roseboom moving on, an all-timer, but also Levi Brown is one of their more talented linebackers. He's not playing right now. Seven Wilson was a starter last year. He had to retire because of COVID. So that all of a sudden is putting a big dent in the supposed depth that you've got. But Logan Backus coming back, I think he's every bit as good as Christian Roosevelt. I'm not even so sure that mm. this at this stage in his career, he isn't better. And he was all over the yeah. field on Friday. He was fantastic. Yeah, and I, then all I, those I, other guys that stepped in, maybe not the name that a Seven Wilson or a Levi Brown was, but some of them were young guys. Some uh, Preston Tetzloff is a guy who Stig had actually told me a month ago he was opting out to go to law school. He apparently changed his mind and came back. Well, that's all the more important with those other two guys that are missing. He's a senior. He played well. Some of those other young guys stepped up. That unit played very, very well. Uh, but I heard the name Bacchus. Bacchus or Bacchus? Bacchus. Bacchus, yeah. I heard that name a lot uh, from, from Tyler Mer- Merriam on the radio broadcast. And no, I wasn't listening to those guys from ESPN uh, 3 or whatever it was. Um, I had learned on the pregame show that uh, for, from from John 
Stiegelmeyer the choice of uh, the quarterback. And uh, so, well, yeah. You should have been looking on Twitter because I was the one who broke the story. <laughs> okay. I wasn't looking on Twitter right before the game, but thank you. But I did hear it on the radio broadcast, and Tyler does an excellent job. And I'm not just saying that. He is just really good at that craft. And uh, and that was a fun game to listen to uh, when I was awake. Uh, and by the way, the uh, Jacks are now uh, playing North Dakota and this is a team that was picked to finish seventh, correct me if I'm wrong, in the uh, Valley this year. So how good are they? What's 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 supposed to happen in this game? Well, they just kicked the shit out of Southern Illinois on Saturday. Okay. And Southern Illinois was picked, what, fourth or fifth? And they were ranked in the top 25. Fifth, yep. And UND killed them. Okay. Um, so that definitely got the Jacks' attention. Uh, obviously, anytime a team is in their first year moving into a new conference, it's always hard to, like, to know how they're going to fit in to judge their previous schedule against the one they're moving into, you know, just like when UND moved into the summit league or when UMKC left and then came back, it's like, how's this going to work? You don't really know. Um, but UND was always a pretty good football program in the NCC days. Uh, and they've been good in the big sky. I don't think they've been certainly to the level of North, North Dakota and South Dakota state. Um, but they have been to the playoffs a couple of times. The big sky is probably not quite as good of a conference as the Valley, but it's pretty close. Um, so you knew they're going to be a quality program, but for them to win that game the way they did, I mean, maybe Southern Illinois just isn't very good. That's certainly possible. I know they had some other things they were dealing with and just because of COVID this whole year is going to be weird. Um, but for SDSU to go to another indoor road facility against another good team and win again, yeah. that's going to be really tough to do, to do that two weeks in a row. Um, they should be able to do it because they're the better team, but that's just a, a big challenge to have to do that. And And again, I think, Maybe the best thing that could have happened to the Jacks from that standpoint was the fact that UND so completely dominated Southern Illinois. You know, if they win that game, it's a close game. Or if they lose, you know, maybe the Jacks are like, okay, we're going to welcome these new guys to the, you know, Missouri Valley. But now all of a sudden it's like, Jesus, you know, those Mm. guys just came in in their first ever game in our conference and kicked the crap out of a team that's supposed to be pretty good. That ought to get the Jacks' attention and probably let them know that you're going to have to play every bit as well as you did against UNI, maybe even better, to get another win. Well, then good. That should be another compelling game Saturday at noon, indoors in Grand Forks, and I don't know what their policy is on fans, but it's in the same state, uh, the same league, where North Dakota State had 6,500 in the Fargo Dome on Sunday afternoon for their win over Youngstown State. Uh, they were allowing half capacity, and actually uh, that would have been about 9,300, and they only got 6,500. And uh, like, I watched I, UND on TV. Their game was on TV on Saturday. Yeah. It looked like they were 25, 33%. Look at you like watching all these games. for your Yeah, you're doing your job. That's awesome. And uh, I just have Midco, so those games are actually on. I don't have to pay the $6. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't, and I know Mid- I pay the I, I pay the hundred ninety dollars a month to have cable, so I can watch. Y- those. Yeah, I gave that up a while ago. Although uh, with Hulu, which I'm paying about seventy bucks a month for every now and then, if it's in the ESPN three type of thing uh, or ESPN plus, it's just you never know when it's going to connect. But it did, uh-huh. for, but it did for me for the. Uh, I don't know. I think it was for the basketball games. Uh, I think, yeah, whatever, uh, this weekend against North Dakota State. And, and with the Midco guys, too. So, yeah, the, the, right. ga- the game on Friday night. So, I get some of them. And I realize, because I know some of our friends, I know some of our friends at Midco are listening. They do a superb job covering the games. And I know they have a streaming package that I probably should buy into, um, you know, to uh, to be able to see well, each and every single possible game. I've largely kept my Midco cable package 
for that channel because they do that good of a job and yeah. they cover all these games, these local games you wouldn't get anywhere else. And that was kind of the thing. It's like, dude, you got to come up with some sort of streaming thing for people who have a different cable provider or whatever. I haven't checked their app out because I don't need it because I have Midco Cable. But yeah, yeah I'm you're same with you. I'm not saying this just to be nice to our friends. They do an awesome job, and uh, I I couldn't live without that channel at this point. They, they make it feel big time. They really Absolutely. do. Absolutely, they're so prof- they're so professional. They're on top of stuff, but they keep it exciting. But they don't go over the top like every single one of their guys, uh, Neiman and uh, Jay Elson, and the guys in North Dakota. And uh, it's too too bad about Brian Sean. While we're at it, uh, he'll be back and he says a couple of weeks, but he had some early uh, uh, screenings and some discovery of cancer. And but seamlessly, he, he had successful surgery this weekend. Thank you. I thank you for the follow-up. Um, yeah. and, uh, and, and, and yet the, the guy who slid in right for him on, on Jody Norstead. Jo- yeah. Yeah. Jody slipped in over the weekend for all the men's and women's basketball games at North Dakota state for the Jacks. And he was superb, uh, with Greg Steeman. So yeah. And we know, and Brad knew it go to guy on the old daily show that we used to have, uh, when, when we hit this part of the season, with Summit League hoops and Northern Sun hoops, for that matter. So, and we, we're going to get to all that in a moment. What did you feel? What did you think of the, of the Bison, though? This was a game I was driving home, so I got to listen to a little of Jeff Colhane, who's also terrific. While we're handing out bouquets, deservedly so. Jeff's awesome, uh, but uh, Bison was, it was 11-0 at halftime, 25-7 the final. Youngstown State's coach was uh, making his debut after. Bo Pelini left and promptly got fired after one year at LSU. So what do you think of both of those teams? That one I did not watch oh. um, just because it was Sunday and I didn't want to watch any more football. Good for you. But I, but I followed it a little bit. And, um, you know, I mean, NDSU might have lost their starting running back to a season-ending injury in, like, the first play of the game. Uh, the thing that stands out without, again, having watched the game, just, you know, reading the coverage and looking at the box scores, yeah. Zeb Noland didn't do anything, the quarterback. And uh, that's a little bit surprising. I mean, the guy started a few games at Iowa State and played well in a couple of those starts at Iowa State. And he's been there for, what, two years now waiting for this opportunity. Uh, I expected more than that from him. Um, You know, does this mean that there's some chinks in the armor? It certainly might because, I mean, it's got to end at some point, right? Like, they just can't keep this up forever, can they? I mean, it's awfully tempting at times to think that, yeah, they just are that dominant, not much better than everyone else, that this is never going to end. Um, and it's certainly possible that it won't until they, you know, move up to FBS or, or God knows what else they do. But right now, I think if you're the rest of the league, you walk away from that game going, okay, well, maybe they're not quite as invincible as they have been in the past. And they did have, you know, a ton of defections for a variety of reasons. You know, Trey Lance and Dylan Raidens, the offensive linemen, both declared for the NFL draft. They had a bunch of other guys opt out for just life reasons, personal reasons, you know, going on to get a job, whatever. Um, they're a different team than they would have been in a normal 2020 season. And, you know, no matter how powerful the program you are, it's not easy to just constantly plug people in, especially when the, the people you're replacing are players at that high of a level. So it stands to reason that they'd be a little less dominant than they have been. Maybe this is the year that someone else can can at least temporarily interrupt their dominance. Yes, and uh, I, I just heard uh, Cole Hain, he was on Mike Henriksen's show today on, on Fox Sports 98.1 KWSN, and he said uh, it just looked like Bison football. That was his, that was the way he, he presented it, was it looked like Bison football. Strong running game, dominant defense, got the job done. But uh, it does not appear, uh, from uh, you know, from what I heard and was also what you 
uh, heard and read that uh, it was quite as uh, dynamic of quarterback play right. as they are used to it. But MSU. if, but if you know, they might not need that. You know, yeah. the defense. There's, it's certainly possible they can go undefeated again by winning a bunch of thirteen to six type of games. So, yeah. Um, so NDSU want to know South Dakota O and O. The uh, the Yotes didn't play. Their first game was uh, canceled at Western Illinois, and it makes uh, was that game. That was game was supposed to be in the Dakota Dome, right? I Correct. Would think, yeah. And so I wonder if the Leathernecks just didn't quite want to spend all the dough to get on that plane and. Uh, Getting those hotel well, they rooms did, and stuff. Well, like they did that. reschedule it. They didn't cancel it. Okay, the other thank stuff. you. It's actually rescheduled. So we'll see. I mean, it's okay. it just the only thing that seemed not to me is how can you how can you cancel a game like a month in advance mm. when it's something like COVID? Like, well, we had a yeah. bunch of positive tests. It's a month away. Like, are you planning on intentionally infecting more people? Or I just that seemed mm. odd to me. But yeah, we've talked about this, uh, and you keep mentioning it from the start. We don't want to uh, be accusatory or have tin foil on our heads when it comes to anything COVID canceling related. But it does seem like you can notice trends in how well teams are playing, or when they are playing, or who they're playing, and you just kind of scratch your head. And you know, we're, we're transitioning into basketball here, and go, that's interesting, and that's what a few Jack fans. Uh, who obviously follow you and you may engage with may have thought when the Yotes beat Oral uh, Roberts on Saturday and then all of a sudden their game is canceled on Sunday because a staffer had COVID and here is USD uh, by by winning percentage and not having to play Oral Roberts all of a sudden there they are at the top of the Summit League standings with a couple games against North Dakota State coming up that we hope will get in depending on what happens with that with that COVID shakeout? Um, mm-hmm. So, but how would you react to those who could be uh, a little suspicious of that? I just don't see what USD would possibly have to gain by canceling those three games just so they could claim the regular season conference title and the top seed. I mean, in Summit League men's basketball, does anyone really give a shit about winning the regular season title? <laughs> right. USD's already won one before. Yes. You know, Craig Smith was there; they won it, got the top seed, didn't win the conference tournament people barely remember that they won that title because again, no one cares in this, even, even the difference between the men and the women, you know, the, the women's side, you know, that we've had two teams get bids before. It just isn't as big of a deal. Um, you know, and you know, you could argue that it, the, the number one seed means that much to USD, but I doubt that's the case either. I mean, this conference tournament again on the men's side has been won by two seeds, three seeds, four seeds, five seeds, whatever. And we've seen, it doesn't really mean all that much. And if, and let's just play along for a second. Let's say that that's what what USD is doing. That after Saturday night's game, they said, okay, if the season ended right now, we're in first place. So let's make up a COVID excuse and pump the last three games so we can be the champions. Okay, that still doesn't get you anywhere. Again, all it gives you is this essentially fairly meaningless bragging right. And an NIT berth. Right. Well, I don't even know if there's going to be it. There probably but won't be an NIT this year. Well, very, there? very true. Plus, it's not. I mean, I know it's still a bigger deal to teams at the mid-major well, level. But, but, that, but, that's but not who cares? Even my main point. But yeah. That's not even my main right. point. I was just slipping the, that in. The there. other thing is, so so let's say you do that. Okay, now you're taking two weeks off before the conference tournament. The games that actually matter. Mm-hmm. I mean, if this was a you know a 35 game marathon of a season, or USD had a bunch of injuries or something, then maybe that would make sense. But neither of those things are the case. So if you were to like literally just skip those last three games and have two weeks off before the conference tournament, that's a negative. That's yeah. not a positive. That's not something you want. You know, we've seen what that did to SDSU and some other teams this year when they've had those long layoffs. Um, I, I don't think USD has anything to gain by bailing on these last three games, especially when you throw, up, throw in the fact that 
these are home games and they haven't hardly had any home games this year. You know, they had to go on the road for like a month and a half or whatever. Now they finally come home and all of a sudden they're going to fake COVID so they can't play these home games. I don't buy it. Plus, I just, I, do you really think, do you, you've gotten to know coaches pretty well and, you know, a lot of them around here, at least the teams that you cover, the teams that I cover, most of them are pretty well connected to their athletes. That's a word they use a lot now, connected. Uh, they want what's best for them. Do you think any coaches, A, do you think any of those players didn't want to play that game? And, and you're right, it being just their second home game in league play as well. And B, would you really think any of the coaches would not want their players to play that game? Like, I think no. everybody would want to play that fucking game. So, no. um, especially uh, coming off a, a, a Rock'em Sock'em game the night before. These are two of the top four teams in the conference. Uh, I don't buy it either. And, uh, and, and hopefully we're going to get USD and SDSU uh, for this weekend because that's going to play a major factor in deciding for what it's worth the conference champ. But also, they're just going to be fun games to watch. They should be. When you got Stanley Amude, AJ Plitzewhite, who went for almost 40 and uh, was a Summit League Player of the Week by virtue of his one performance in that uh, high-scoring shootout win. And uh, just having myself watched a little North Dakota State men both nights, <laughs> I mean, they're a blast to watch. And now that they've had their last six games with South Dakota State have been uh, decided by a total of 12 points. And uh, they were both down-to-the-wire thrillers and look, my takeaway is just the most recent tree that we got a look at, which was the the almost abominable like what happened last eight seconds of that uh, of that second game in which the Jacks have a chance to get the sweep. That would have been a steal though because they did get down twenty two in the second half. That's yeah, the they didn't deserve to win that game. Okay, that's the tree. But the forest is they split, and that was an exciting series. What, what was your big o- overview of that? Those two games. Um, I fully expected them to get a split. I just didn't think they were going to be able to go into Fargo and win two games in a row. Uh, but I would have been also surprised if they got swept by the Bison. I expected a split. Split's what we saw. Um, yeah, I think if you were glass half full, you could say, gee, we got a split, and we almost won the second game too. But again, I, you know, I thought they waited way too long to get going. Uh, Hendo had to kind of goad them into, you know, getting into the game by, you know, switching to a zone and having them full court press for almost – the whole second half and it worked but it you know it shouldn't have had to get to that point necessarily um and you know it's their first weekend not their first weekend playing without Noah Friedel but it's their first weekend knowing he's not coming back you know that he is out for the year and that's obviously going to affect him I mean you can say whatever you want I mean I know Hendo's very much you know put a positive spin on it and said you know we're going to be fine we're moving forward he needs to do what's best for him all those things are true but that doesn't take away from the fact this is your leading scorer this is arguably, I guess I would no longer say best summit, best guard in the Summit League just based on what Max Asmus has been doing for ORU, but he's one of the best guards in the Summit League. You don't lose a player like that and have it make you a lesser team. So the fact that they went to Fargo, got a split, had a chance to win the second game, it's really hard to be disappointed with that. Yeah, I would say so as well. And uh, Douglas Wilson... Also, I mean, add in the fact that Douglas Wilson did not play well offensively. I know uh, Hendo and the Midco announcers, and uh, I didn't see the whole game. Uh, I, I saw the last several minutes, but apparently Douglas Wilson was still providing a lot in the defensive end, even though he was like one of ten from the field. But Douglas Wilson goes one of ten from the field, and uh, you're without Noah Friedel knowingly uh, for the rest of the season for the first time, as you mentioned, and you still beat NDSU. Uh, 68-67, and uh, Charlie Easley, the Husker transfer, hits the big shot 
uh, with about 13 seconds left. And North Dakota State had some chaos, correct me if I'm wrong, on their final possession uh, down by one on Friday. And then there was the chaos of the Jacks on Saturday. Now, Hendo had one timeout left. Uh, I, I, I hate to try to make these moves for these guys unless it's just so obvious. Um, yeah. He had one timeout left, and it, to me, the extremely layman view of do you take your timeout or not? You're on offense, you're down by two. In this case, they were down by four, um, but you're down yeah. by a possession, whatever. Uh, it, you know, if, if if you're flying down, if you're off a rebound and you're flying down the court and you got some big time playmaker and uh, you don't want to you don't want to stop any momentum, then, yeah, you let it go. But they they I believe they had an out of bounds play and he still didn't call a timeout. But you're down four. But also, I think um, having talked to another coach about this situation since it happened, um, Sometimes players just lose their minds in those moments, and it's uh, it's really not on the coach. Uh, what did you see out of that? Yeah, I didn't think it was on, on Hendo, really. I mean, it, it kind of reflects poorly on him because it's happened before. So maybe he needs to be a little bit more demonstrative, either in practice or in the huddles before that, you know, reminding guys like, hey, this is the situation. Uh, but I don't yeah. think you can really the, – the, but they're also Division One college athletes. They should kind of have better awareness than that. I don't feel like he should have to – you know, spoon feed them. Okay, guys, there's eight seconds left, and we're losing by four. So that means we need to score twice. Like, you know, I don't <laughs> think, yeah, yeah. I don't think he should have to do. We that. can't drill it around for six of the seconds. Right. Yeah. I just think, uh, you know, I, I don't think Matt Mims, who had the ball early in the possession, felt comfortable taking that shot in that situation, and it would have been a low percentage shot. So I think he kind of was like, well, someone else has got it, and, and then it was just over by then because they had already like let let's say they had gotten off a shot with two seconds left or three seconds left, that still really isn't enough time. You know, once they didn't immediately inbound the ball and make a basket, it was over. So it just looked bad that they ended up using up. And you could actually, I watched the replay, you could see Baylor Shireman's face, and he's probably the, you know, the smart, he's essentially the quarterback of that team. Mm. You could see the look on his face halfway through the, the, the possession that he already, he realized like, well, we just blew it, guys. Like, even if we score here, we've taken up way too much time. And they did score, and the clock had, had essentially expired. So yeah. just poor awareness on their part. But again, I don't think in those situations you always necessarily have to, that a head has to roll necessarily. It just They, they just didn't execute it. So with two games left, USD at 10-3, and three, technically on top, uh, North Dakota State 10-4, and four, and they play each other this weekend. The Jacks are 7-3, and three, played far fewer games, and uh, are just 1.4% out of second after splitting with North Dakota State. And, and the four a- games the Jacks had canceled would almost, for sh- they, yeah. they'd almost certainly be 11 and 3. They had the four games canceled against the two by far worst teams in the conference. Well, uh, the University of Sioux Falls men had a similar predicament where they had to play the top four teams in the league uh, and they were the only team that had to do that and they had a, and they had four of their games canceled against teams yep. they probably would have beat. We'll get to... We, we'll well, get to, two of them were against Winona, but two of them were against Concordia who was like one in 15. Yeah, terrible. Yeah. And that, that right. probably would have been enough. But uh, we'll, right. get, we'll get to that in a second if we can get to it. I do want to stay on the Jacks because this... The Noah Friedel thing, and by the way, I, I don't know how it shakes out this weekend. As you mentioned, the seating doesn't ma- matter a ton. Uh, there's going to be no fans. It's going to be a completely sterile environment for the Summit League tournament. And you've mentioned, and you're right, the Jacks have withered in, in behind that tidal wave of blue momentum uh, the men have the, the last couple of years. Uh, so that doesn't mean everything, but it... it these, you know, having no fans there, again, to me, makes the seedings feel like even less uh, less of a deal um, and, and, and makes it feel a little bit more 
wide open for some of these teams that sometimes get engulfed in in the USD SDSU and NDSU fans at that event. Um, but anyway, so I don't know how it shakes out this weekend. I, I was told there would be no math. The Jacks appear to still have a chance. They would probably have to hope for a, a split between USD and NDSU and then win both games. And they might, I don't know, they might win. Because when you have fewer games, there's more weight on the wins and losses, right? Yeah, it can go either way. Um, okay. I, have, I haven't... <laughs> Brian broke it down in an article the other day. I haven't because I don't give a shit. Like I said, I mean, I just, okay. it doesn't really matter. Right. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, the Noah Friedel thing could have led this uh, this discussion. Um, yeah, it, it was but, a big story. But it it, it it could have led this whole podcast, and it you know it happened like a day after our last podcast last week, so it feels like it's been forever because now they've played a couple games and played well without him. But um, but let's let's get into this for just a few minutes uh, because uh, he, he this is a high profile player. It's the highest profile athlete in the state outside of anyone on the Jacks football team, and um, and he's an in-state kid. And we all know he's really good. We all know he's had some issues on the court and off the court. It, it, they could have just declared an injury and, you know, we would have known nothing of it. And instead, no, the, he, he, he announces that he is uh, done for the season and he's going to go attend to his, his mental wellness issues and, and he's suffering from depression and anxiety and he needs to work on that. I think you know, plenty of people remarked, I was Im- incredibly impressed. It can be a real sewer on Twitter and social media. And at the very least from what I saw from your Twitter account and from others, uh, there's a ton of support flooding Noah Friedel's way, which is a really good thing. Yeah, I didn't see any negative responses to it from USD fans or anyone else. You know, it was almost universal hey, this sucks, but good for you. Good luck to you. Everyone's pulling for you. Get the support you need. And I, I agree. I had the same kind of like, oh, wow, that's nice. Like, look at everyone's getting along and being nice for once and, you know, sending support to someone who needs support. Um, you know, I, I, I also agree with you in that, you know, they didn't have to do that. Uh, we were getting ready for uh, – Hendo does a, a weekly Zoom press conference every Tuesday morning at 11.15. And right before he was about to come on, uh, Jason Hove just said, oh, before Hendo starts, Noah's going to come on and make an announcement. And I was kind of like, what? I, I, I was completely blindsided by that. I mean, I knew immediately it was going to be some some sort of bombshell. And I assumed it was going to be, being that he was making the announcement, that it was gonna he was going to say he wasn't playing anymore. Because we had talked the previous week about how, you know, Hendo had at least given me some hints that, you know, he's not in trouble. He didn't do something. You know, he's dealing with some personal things. So you knew something was going on. And you're right. He didn't owe any of that to anybody. He, he could have just, you know, released a written statement. The Jacks could have just said he's not playing and it's none of your guys' business. Why he's not playing, you know, we've seen that kind of thing so many times. Uh, I really respect and admire the fact that he, you know, whether it was Noah's decision himself or just, you know, someone convinced him that it was a good thing to do, uh, that he did that really, I think, says something. And then, um, you know, I, th- I think everything Hendo said, obviously, afterwards and just the support that everyone has shown him uh, is really encouraging uh, because I think people are finally starting to recognize, you know, the old adage about you can see physical scars, but you can't necessarily see mental scars or emotional scars or whatever. And, um, you know, I think everyone is sympathetic to that, no matter what you thought of Noah previously. Yeah. So, like I said, it's it's a, a blow to the team basketball wise. But 
you know, I, I, and I, I've had a couple conversations with Hendo before and after that, and I don't want to give anything away or, or, or you know, talk about anything that's none of my business because I've made it clear that that's, you know, a, a thing here. I don't think people are really entitled to anything else out of this. This is Noah's private business. But I definitely get a sense from talking to Hendo, from talking to other people within the program, uh, that this is not for show. You know, this is not some attempt uh, to rationalize some of the things Noah did before or anything like that. He is genuinely uh, dealing with some things that have caused him physical and mental, emotional pain, whatever it is. And I think, like I said, that that's just one of those things where it's like all bets are off. You know, let this guy take care of himself and, and do what he needs to do. And whenever he's ready to come back, he comes back. And he is, to a degree, a statewide celebrity. We care deeply about our sports in South Dakota, and he's playing at the highest level that we have in these borders, and he's from the state. And so anytime there's uh, somewhat of a high-profile person, a public figure, a celebrity that puts a name and a face to these issues that some people want to shove under the rug or stuff that we just don't normally talk about in our everyday lives, um, it, it, it can only do it. A really good thing. I think there are plenty of people who probably weren't followers of sports around here or, or huge followers of sports who you know, probably saw this because now that be- it becomes beyond a sports story. It's a depression and anxiety. It's a mental health story. And it's a young man. And that's a time of your life when a lot of people go through some psychological shit. I can't imagine being a college student these days. I can't imagine being a high school student these days because well, of the, and be- then throw because of the, the bullying on too. social media alone. Go ahead. Sorry. But then but then throw the pandemic on top. Exactly. Of yeah. yeah. Uh, it's just, you know... Uh, uh, and Robin Roberts said it well. Uh, she wrote a book, uh, you know, the Good Morning America host, the former sports center anchor, Robin Wa- Roberts. Everybody has something. Everybody has something in their lives. And sometimes we think that, uh, you know, people that we know and see, whether in person or whatever, on TV, um, are, you know, just fine, well, well together and polished. And uh, I think everybody's gone through, you know, some serious... Uh, you know, it's just been it's just been a rough last year or so for everyone. So good for good for Noah. Um, we are we are about out of time. Uh, we, we'll get the twin spring training and what they did in the off season uh, in uh, next week's edition. Uh, I'm excited. I'm feeling good. Pete, I, really? Because it was kind of an yeah. under it was an underwhelming off season. But well, uh, it took them a while to get going, but they made some pretty good moves. They just kind of waited a while on it. I'm. I mean, I. <laughs> I was on JT's show last week and he was asking me about the twins. And Mm -hmm. I said, well, I'm super excited about the regular season, but of course none of it's going to matter in October. We all know they're going to get swept right away, but (laughs) maybe at least they'll win a hundred games before we have to subject ourselves to that torture again. You feel like they got the pitching and the hitting to do it, huh? To win a hundred games in the regular season. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. To win a playoff series. Absolutely not. Just because they're the twins. I have completely lost any. Last year was the one that finally broke me. Like, I don't care. They could go. They could, John, they could go 150 and 12 in the regular season. And at this point, I'd be like, yeah, they're going to get swept. Uh, fair enough. Well, the Twins are going to twin, and the Wolves are going to Wolves. Uh, you know, I think both you and I, we really got into the Wolves that one playoff year they had with Jimmy Butler and Tom Thibodeau, which was their first in like 13 or 14 years, and uh, they pretty much got blown out of the first round by the Rockets. But that was really exciting and made you know. It, I'm, a no, more, it I'm a lot no, more. I'm a lot more. No, I thought it was. <laughs> uh, even the run to get there, like the big win yeah. to get uh, the eight seed. Big yes. I, I thought you were going to say both you and I got really into, I thought you were talking about 05 or 04 when Garnett took him to the conference finals. Yeah. That was the last time I was really into the Timberwolves. The, well, the, the stats of like the Timberwolves history with Garnett and without, somebody tweeted that the other day, and it's just astounding. They've won, I believe, yeah. one fewer game and lost 69 more 
without Garnett than uh, something like that than with him. Um, so they're, they've basically been nothing without him. But uh, and so they haven't been worth watching, and they, they're the worst team in the league this year. But still, it's uh, no matter what, no matter who the GM is, no matter who the coach is, there's just going to be not only are they usually going to stink, but there's going to be some sort of um, you know dumpster fire in the in the front office. And look, Ryan Saunders was in over his head. Everybody knew that he lost twice as many games as he won. Uh, but to 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 fire him with the uh, with the midseason replacement in the back pocket uh i'm sure it'll blow over here real soon and again they're the wolves nobody cares but that was still wow especially the son of flip saunders i mean it was but he was getting so badly out coached yeah so just night after night after night and constantly having these 18 point third quarter leads and then losing by 10 i mean it just it to me it almost felt like put the poor kid out of his misery yeah however you, however you have to do it my favorite- so I don't look at it quite as like you're not wrong. That's kind of a weird look that they did it the way they did it. But just like I said, put the kid out of his mind. This Finch not going well. This guy they're hiring must be really good that they don't want to even wait until the end of the season and then in the off season. They, they clearly Gerson Rosas. They was- wanted him once before. Yeah. So okay. That, some, that plays into it. My favorite headline was Twins relieve Ryan uh, Ryan Saunders as head coach. I'm like, yes, he must be relieved. I know yeah. his dad coached there and I know he grew up there, but. That couldn't have been a fun job. All right, Zim, uh, appreciate your time. We we started with MC Hammer and uh, his thoughts about science, and uh, and I don't know if there's a if there's a you can't touch this joke in there, but n- n- I, I feel a lot dumber having read uh, just a tweet from MC Hammer and his thoughts about science, and I would just have to say that was not too legit, and uh, he needs to quit. He needs to quit talking. There you go. How'd you like that? Fantastic. All right. See you next week. Thanks, John. Matt Zimmer, Argus Leader. Read his stuff. Follow him on Twitter and uh, listen to us next week. And, of course, go to the Gateway Lounge to uh, enjoy their delicious pizza and their wings and their chislic and their full menu. Their dozens of beers on tap. Their 30-plus high-def TVs sprawling all over the place. Their outdoor patio, uh, which if you're a little more COVID conscious, but you still want to go there, uh, they've got heating lamps out there so you can, uh, you know, you can kind of zen out outdoors, which actually barely need the heating lamps for the next week or two. We got this heat wave of temperatures in the 30s and 40s. And uh, if you're still not ready to go back to a restaurant yet. I know plenty of people who aren't uh, because they don't want to get COVID and they don't want to spread COVID. Um, and, um, you know, they're concerned about their jobs. They're concerned about testing positive. Um, I'm certainly limiting. Zim isn't going to restaurants at all, but uh, there's always takeout. There's always still ways to support a local establishment who, because of the pandemic, uh, and, and, and not just the Gateway, certainly want you to support the Gateway because they're supporting this podcast. And we can't wait to get back there in person, as they say, week after week after week to actually do what this podcast was intended to do, have Zim and I talk, have a couple drinks at a bar, and, uh, and enjoy you know, a very simple pleasure in life um, that obviously has been ripped away from some of us uh, during the last uh, several months, last year. Um, but uh, all these businesses, you know, so many restaurants all over Sioux Falls, sports bars and beyond have suffered. They've closed. Um, a lot. You, a lot of us have been hitting the wallet as well. <laughs> I, I, I know. I have. I lost, just in case you didn't hear it, I lost my full-time job. I used to do this every day for three hours a day. Now I do this once a week for an hour. Uh, I lost my my gig as well. Uh, it's hit 
everybody's almost everybody's wallet really hard. Not Jeff Bezos, but almost everybody's wallet really hard. Um, but if you can find it in your wallet and in your heart to uh, to help support each other and uh, occasionally get takeout from a locally owned restaurant uh, in this community in this place it would be terrific and you can never go wrong if it is at the gateway out on west 41st street off of the uh off of i-29 on the 41st street exit uh and one final shout out as uh, zim has left the podcast uh brian henshin wrote a huge profile for those dinosaurs like me that still buy print editions of newspapers on sundays I indulge on Sundays in the print edition uh, because that's when they're supposed to be the biggest and the best editions. Uh, the huge profile story on how the Brandon Valley community has rallied around Brent Deckert um, is worth a read. And the thing is, is this is a hyper-local sports podcast, so most of you know the story, but Brandon Valley's uh, head coach, boys basketball, battling lung cancer stage four for goodness sakes been able to coach every game this year but he has his good days and as bad as anyone who has cancer has um and at this point in all of our lives we've all known somebody who has had it um uh, what that community is doing uh, a gofundme page that has raised nearly five thousand dollars uh the t-shirts that all the teams at brandon valley plays their opponents you know, I saw Roosevelt coaches wearing Brandon Valley t-shirts before the game Thursday that I did on the radio. And I was like, what's going on? Why are they, they trade coaches? No, every opponent of Brandon Valley is wearing Brandon Valley t-shirts um, this year in support of Brent Deckert as he, as he fights through lung cancer. And, uh, you know, he's a tremendous story himself. He is Brandon Valley hoops for 21 years, got his first state title two years ago. Always one of my favorite dudes to talk to because he likes talking. And uh, it's always kind of funny and fun, but uh, also what they're doing to rally around him and Chad Garrow, um, uh, the, uh, who's, who's also been battling tumors and cancer. Uh, the head football coach just won a state title. Most of you know the story. I'm blabbing on here, um, but uh, Melissa, Chad's wife, who uh, knew my husband in college at USF, uh, they're just such wonderful people and they continue to have people in the town have meals delivered to them and there was a big burger drive at the tailgaters bar there in brandon um chad was one of those guys who loved to go around and try all the burgers in town on those burger challenges all about town in the area and uh, they've raised a bunch of money for him and the family as uh he continues to have to go to the mayo clinic in rochester quite often um and uh, hank has also retweeted um the Caring Bridge update on Chad Garrow from his wife, Melissa. So follow Hank on Twitter as well. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, it, it was a heavy week, a heavy week of sports on the court, on the field, but also uh, away from it in much bigger issues that we all struggle with, depression and anxiety and, unfortunately, uh, cancer, whether you've gone through it or know someone who has and uh, the way people have been supporting each other around here has been extremely encouraging. And it uh, makes me, I know Zim, and hopefully you, uh, you know, grateful to be here. And uh, hopefully you're grateful for this. We'll talk again next week on Nobody's Listening Anyway. For Matt Zimmer, I'm John Gaskins. I'm going to get, I'm going to uh, get on the exit now. See you. 
Why are you laughing? That was a terrible outro. Fuck you. Casino <laughs> <laughs> round drinks? Yes.